It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Wednesday, August 19, 2020. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Three more Sitka residents have tested positive for the coronavirus, pushing the town's total case count to 51, of which 36 are residents and 15 are non-residents. A news release from the Sitka Unified Command on Tuesday reports that two of the new cases are males between the ages of 20 and 29. Both were experiencing symptoms at the time they were tested on August 15th and August 17th, respectively. A third patient is a male between the ages of 60 and 69 who was not experiencing symptoms when he was tested on August 14th. All three cases are isolating and public health officials are beginning contact tracing. Six new cases in two days moves the Sitka School District close to the threshold for shifting into the red risk level, where buildings would be closed and all classes conducted remotely. Under the current Smart Start plan, 12 or more new cases within a two-week period would trigger the shift into red. Tuesday's updated count puts Sitka's total at 12 for the last two weeks, but school won't begin until next Thursday, August 27th. District officials stress that the Smart Start plan is subject to change once school begins. The school board is scheduled to review its pandemic-epidemic emergency policy when it meets in regular session at 6 p.m. tonight in Harrigan Centennial Hall. The meeting is also available on Zoom. The link can be found online at sitkaschools.org. Alaska's Republican Party has endorsed developing the pebble mine at the headwaters of Bristol Bay. The controversial gold and copper mine has divided Alaskans across party lines for more than a decade. A resolution passed by the state's Central Committee earlier this month says the mine would create more than 1,000 jobs, contribute to the state coffers, and benefit Alaskans in what it describes as an otherwise impoverished area. Glenn Clary is chairman of the Alaska Republican Party. The Republican Party has always been in favor of responsibly developing Uh, mines throughout uh, Alaska, and uh, we would support the responsible development of uh, Pebble Mine. He says the party canvassed its district leadership across the state, but not all Alaska Republicans are on board. Kodiak Senator Gary Stevens represents a wide swath of coastal Alaska. It it seems to me that that's um, sort of a consensus of urban Republicans, but it certainly does not represent the attitude of my Senate district. He says the pro-Pebble endorsement reflects the state Republican Party leadership, not elected Republicans like himself. As a lifelong Republican, I I generally support the GOP, but um, their position, the Central Committee's position on Pebble Mine is uh, something I cannot support and and do oppose the position they've taken. He says the prospect of developing an open-pit gold and copper mine at one of the largest salmon-producing systems in the world risks trading one resource for another. The problem with Pebble is that if there's even a minor mistake, any release from their holding pools, it could destroy uh, one of the major salmon streams, several salmon streams in our our country. Just taking such a chance, uh, it seems to me, is just not worth it. This summer, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers released a final environmental impact statement that concluded Pebble Mine wouldn't harm salmon runs. That's a reversal from the Obama administration's EPA, which had blocked the mine in 2014. A final decision is expected within weeks or months. The Alaska Republican Party's resolution says it unequivocally supports Pebble Mine and calls on the Army Corps to move forward and approve it. Classrooms will look different when Ketchikan students return to school this fall. Face masks will be mandatory, school staff will check for fevers, and some students can move from their regular school building into a classroom away from campus. That's after Ketchikan School Board voted to adopt pandemic safety measures after hearing from teachers and staff worried about their health as they return to classrooms. KRBD's Eric Stone reports. 
Ketchikan School Board got another earful from the public at its last meeting, this time largely from teachers and staff members worried about their health as Ketchikan heads towards fully reopening schools. At the end of July, the school board voted to reject the superintendent's recommendation to start the year with a hybrid of in-person and distance learning. That means they'll start the year with a traditional five-day school week with butts in seats. The superintendent's hybrid pandemic preparedness plan will remain on the shelf as a contingency in the event of a wider coronavirus outbreak. A dozen or so teachers gathered outside before the meeting started. Teachers union leader Gara Sosefsky was one of them. So these teachers have gathered to show that we do support the safety measures that our superintendent is going to propose tonight. And we're really hanging tough together to try and promote the social distancing. And that they did. More than two dozen people spoke for a total of more than two hours. Many asked the board to restore safety measures outlined in the plan the board set aside at its last meeting. Several teachers pointed to one key safety measure in particular, extra space to spread students out. School administrators floated leasing off-site spaces like churches for extra classroom space. That, they say, would allow students to spread out and reduce their risk of spreading the coronavirus. Carol Stanton, a 25-year teacher, put it this way to the board. Our classrooms are too small and classes too large to have physical distancing without additional school spaces. School board member Paul Robbins Jr. said it was always the intention to revisit safety measures. He said he supported leasing extra sites as long as students were in front of certified teachers. Earlier versions of the pandemic plan would have split the class, half in front of a teacher, half in front of a teacher's aide. But the district scrapped that plan after fierce criticism from parents, according to Superintendent Beth Lougey. In the new concept, Lougie says entire grade levels, teachers and all, could move off-site. She says that would make sure students learn from a certified teacher every day. Lougie said starting with students spread between schools and other buildings would also make it easier to switch to smaller class sizes if the pandemic worsens in Ketchikan. Because we're, we're ready and then we, we can adjust to what, was our, what is now our contingency plan. Great. And it doesn't we're not losing um, approximately four weeks of school. She said the extra space would also mean less mixing between groups, which would limit the potential spread of the coronavirus. Board member Leslie Becker asked when it would be appropriate to get back to some semblance of the old normal. At what point are we going to quit requiring masks? You know, we've got this on the low level. I mean, everything straight across the board here, we, we hear a mixed pushback from the community. I would be on the preferential, the more freedom and no masking, but I'm just asking the question. I'm not trying to make a make this a political issue. The superintendent replied that it's not yet clear when the district would stop requiring masks. She emphasized that even after the board's vote, the district's pandemic mitigation plan remains a work in progress. Nearly four hours after the meeting began, after hearing from all sides, the body voted unanimously to adopt a list of requirements to keep kids safe as they head back for full-time instruction. That includes mandatory masks for all staff and students, temperature checks for everyone entering buildings, and extra classroom space for students to spread out. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Eric Stone. A Haynes man was awarded a prize in the town's 4th of July parade when he donned a Donald Trump mask and drove a car that had been cut in half. 
A week later, local police cited the man, who has a history of seizures, for driving without a license. As KHNS's Henry Leisure reports, a local judge dismissed the case on Monday. The Haines Chamber of Commerce adapted their annual 4th of July parade to prevent the spread of COVID-19. Instead of parading down Main Street, the marching band, the dancers, the fire truck, and the floats were stationed at the parking lot of the Southeast Alaska State Fairgrounds. Spectators could drive through and take in the spectacle from their cars. Paul Nelson owns Bigfoot Auto in Haines. He and his employees built a unique float for the occasion. It was a a Chevrolet Celebrity front-wheel drive. So we were able to cut the rear half of the car off and put caster wheels under the rear of the car, which now was right behind the driver's seat. Nelson's employees towed the car, or what was left of it, to the fairgrounds. They got set up in their designated area behind the chalked-out lane where the cars would pass by. When the parade started, Nelson got behind the wheel in a Donald Trump mask and began driving. The car still worked, but the swiveling wheels in the back caused some steering quirks. You get it going five miles an hour or so and hit the brakes, there was no weight in the rear, so it would tip right up on the front bumper. And also, with no rear wheels, when you turn the steering wheel hard left or right, the car would spin around in a circle, you know, the size of the car itself. Nelson won first prize for his float, but nine days after the parade, he was cited for driving without a license. A little over a year ago, the state canceled Nelson's driver's license after he had a seizure while driving. But he says he didn't break the law by driving the modified vehicle at the fairgrounds because he was on private property. I don't have a driver's license. But I saw that it was legal to drive an off-road vehicle on private property without a driver's license. So I thought, well, since they're doing a reverse parade, and I had an idea for a float that couldn't be driven on the highway, that it would work perfectly. At his first court appearance, Nelson moved to dismiss the citation, referencing a previous case in Alaska where charges were dropped against a man who drove without a license in a supermarket parking lot. At a hearing on Monday, Assistant District Attorney Dara Gibson dropped the charge for driving without a license and attempted to introduce new charges for reckless driving. Judge Lynn Asper dismissed the case because Nelson had not been served the new charges. Asper said the district attorney's office would have to issue a new summons to Nelson if it wanted to proceed. Nelson disputed the reckless driving charges as well. If I was negligent driving or reckless driving during the parade, why didn't they stop me? Why did they let me go on through the entire parade? Nelson has repeatedly called for cuts to the police department's budget in public meetings. He claims that the charges against him are a form of harassment for speaking out. Haines Police Chief Heath Scott declined to comment on the specifics of the case, but said he is concerned that Nelson's medical condition prevents him from driving safely and caused a public safety risk. In Haines, I'm Henry Leisha. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.